You're listening to Once, episode 266, Street Rats. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And we're ready to discuss Street Rats more in depth, and we have some of your feedback to go along with this. Starting with the past, capital of Agrabah many years ago, which still good luck, Keb, on figuring out how to make oncepodcast.com slash timeline work with all of this. Many long years ago. It's all about the old gray mare. I think that uh, I think that might be in the land of untold stories, or might have been previously. Anything could be in the land of untold stories. Jafar has taken control of this kingdom, and uh, he's as he does. Yeah, he's he's running things, and I found it ironic that while he's giving this whole little speech about thieves will not be tolerated and everything, there's Aladdin right there stealing. While Aladdin is hearing this whole thing about. Don't steal. And Aladdin's pretty clever with the whole, like, pushing someone while you're taking something else. You distract someone so they don't feel what you're taking from them. Yes. However, it was it was actually more distracting the way he was doing it. Like, you can't just unexpectedly jab someone in the neck so that you can take something from their pocket. Plus, they weren't reacting when he touched them. Like, how often do people just put their hands on you in the city? It's weird. Let's hope it's not very often. You're supposed to bump into them or something or actually engage them and talk and then do something distracting so you can take something from somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm an expert in pickpocketing. Now, in trying to reconcile this Agrabah with the Agrabah we know from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, Jacqueline suggested this, saying, Agrabah is supposed to be in the same realm as the Enchanted Forest, just east of it. The way I used to think of it was that the entire world was called fairy tale land, but that most of our characters are from the enchanted forest, Europe, if you will, and Agrabah is simply on another continent, the equivalent of the near slash Middle East, but easily accessible via water or land. So this is how Jafar's father in Wonderland could be a sultan in Agrabah and Jasmine's father be another sultan in a different part of Agrabah. And Adam Horowitz told us on Twitter that Jafar's father and Jasmine's father are not the same, and they are truly different kingdoms. So that's, in other words, this is the capital. What we've seen before of Agrabah has been a completely different part of Agrabah, different sultan, which is understandable. Different mayor, different leadership, different council, different families, same Jafar. I guess that's fine. When Jasmine found Aladdin, she referred to the most powerful magic in all the realm. There they go again with the superlatives. And she said a weapon known as the diamond in the rough. And when I first watched this episode in in the initial reactions, I mentioned that I thought that that diamond made Aladdin magical. Mm -hmm. But then rewatching this episode, I think it's more obvious that what everyone else was saying is true, and that is that Aladdin has been magical all along. 
He is the diamond in the rough. He's that diamond that needs to be pulled out and showcased in all of its beauty and magic and everything. And so, especially when you look at the parallels between Aladdin's story and Emma's story, Henry put Emma on the path to becoming the savior for Storybrooke, but Emma already had magic. Jasmine put Aladdin on the path. She even says that later on, that she put him on the path. And that's what made him become the savior to Agrabah, is that he was put on that path. I was going to ask you if that's the kind of path that it was. (laughs) He didn't choose a different path. (laughs) Season one. So Aladdin, because Once Upon a Time is full of all of these parallels with the flashbacks. Oh, they're full of it all, right? Almost every episode, the flashbacks are some kind of parallel with uh, what's happening in present day. So... It does seem then Aladdin has always had this magic. He simply didn't know he had it, just like Emma always had that magic. She simply didn't know she had it. I would agree. But in that case, what was with the trip to the Cave of Wonders? And what is the diamond anyway? It seems like maybe all of that was a test for Aladdin or some kind of thing that maybe, in fact— the diamond in the rough may have been known to be the thing that maybe awakens the magic in someone that they mm. already have, or it creates some kind of test. Yeah. I was curious as to whether those special words opened the door or he just did it with magic and didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. And it's probably that he actually did it with magic. And that's what I'm thinking, although when you first watch it, you're supposed to think that, oh, it's the words open sesame that caused the doors to open. But I think rewatching it, and if you rewatch it with that in mind, that Aladdin has magic, he simply doesn't know it yet, then it makes perfect sense that he did open the doors with magic. And you can tell there's kind of a magical burden in his mind already because he speaks with sort of a combination of about three different accents. <laughs> Really, two two different British accents, and I detected a hint of kind of a Middle Eastern accent in there, which would maybe be more accurate. Or Australian, since he is Australian. Oh, he is Australian. That yeah. explains part of it. Yes. <laughs> now, I think it's funny that here they're going into the middle of the desert when they're going to the Cave of Wonders, and the middle of the desert seems to be the place you go to find something that either makes or reveals the magic in someone. Because remember the Holy Grail? Yeah, how could I forget? (laughs) In the middle of the desert, which became the Enchanted Forest. And it's very possible that the Enchanted Forest is connected to Agrabah because the Enchanted Forest used to be a desert as well. And Agrabah's like, oh, they got trees. Why do we just have all this sand and sun? It's not fair. Also think about just building on this case to further prove how wrong I was in initial reactions and how Aladdin did have the magic already. When they were walking in the desert, Jasmine spoke in certain cryptic terms. She didn't say explicitly that the weapon was inside the Cave of Wonders. She referred to it with terms like discovered. It would be discovered in the Cave of Wonders. And what was discovered in the Cave of Wonders was that Aladdin does truly have magic. Well, fine. Good job, Jasmine. Yeah. It was super fast, too. It's an efficient Cave of Wonders. His magic was instantly light magic, too. 
That's the typical savior white magic that we've seen. But we have also seen Regina use white or light magic when she's being the white savior-like hero of the town, just recognizing that she can use her white magic. Inside the Cave of Wonders, did you notice how much it looked very similar to that cave underneath the apprentice's hut where the sorcerer's hat was protected? No. Now, this could be coincidental prop reuse and set reuse, which they have done many times before. Well, I should say it felt very familiar because it felt... It felt very familiar. I think uh, I would also start to think about the Jack and the Beanstalk era. <laughs> yeah. The the giant's treasury or whatever that was. Mm. Similar. And any animated feature, anytime you go into a place like this, in particular, the animated movie Aladdin, that's pretty much what the Cave of Wonders looks like. Well, it would be interesting if this was connected somehow to the sorcerer. And it could make sense because... The original sorcerer came from drinking from that chalice, the Holy Grail, and that was in the middle of the desert. What if then he starts going around making these vaults of other magical items, and this is one of his other vaults that contains magical items, treasures, and all of that? And you are referring, of course, to Merlin. Yes. And it could make sense why it would look similar, but most likely, I'm overthinking it, and it's simply reusing a prop. But hey... Your questions are pointless. Well, here's a question you'll like. Okay. Maybe you can notice this. Did you notice something that looked like a Dalek inside? <laughs> Only when I saw your note while we were watching the scene. <laughs> <laughs> it totally looked like one. Basically, an upside down trash can with a bunch of round bumps all over it. It wasn't saying anything like exterminate or anything like that. But if you watch <laughs> Doctor Who, then look at the scene inside the Cave of Wonders, you'll see something that looks like a Dalek. You will. Yeah. But maybe it was just the royal trash can. I know that speaking of the royal trash can, there could be all <laughs> kinds of questions about how did Jasmine know that this would happen? How did she know Aladdin was the one? How did she know anything about saviors? How did she know all of this stuff? A little oracle bird told her. I'm Probably not. So sure. I'm just making a joke about an oracle bird. Well, we'll talk more about the oracle bird in a little bit because there are some theories about that and some possible connections. And that oracle bird is how uh, Jafar knew that Aladdin was potentially the savior because that oracle bird was spying on Aladdin and Jasmine when they first had their conversation. And maybe the oracle bird had some kind of task like to find the, quote, savior or to find someone with magic strong enough to potentially defeat Jafar. So that would then make sense why Jafar would suddenly show up there inside while they're having this little after chat inside of the Cave of Wonders. And... Uh, otherwise like why would he show up can he just feel when someone recognizes their magical power and recognizes their potential (laughs) saviorness that's a very specific kind of bird Mm -hmm. well it's a type of oracle and he even said that in this episode the bird is a type of oracle which i think gives more evidence to the fact that the oracle in storybrook is actually jafar well it also explains why the first time we watched was it the first episode, the second episode of the season? Second. You were saying that she had a bird staff. And I was like, I thought it was the bird itself. But then I was relieved to find 
the possibility that it was a staff because it looked so fake <laughs> with its glowing eyes and all. But I think she actually did hold out the bird and she, its eyes glowed. No, that she happened? held the staff. It was actually the sure? staff. Yes. Okay. She said, here, look. And the staff Are you sure it wasn't glowed. on her fist? Yes, I am sure. The bird did lead <laughs> Emma to the oracle, but the bird stayed up in the tree spying, as they do, down on the oracle and Emma as they talked. And then the oracle turned the staff, or Jafaricle, turned the staff to Emma. So it was I the staff guess. then. Here it's the actual bird. Well, at any rate, bird eyes glowing equals bad news. Yeah. And that bad, was the moment, right? That was when it first hit him. Yeah, and bad news apparently equals red bubbling liquid and skulls. Well, usually the two, I mean, it goes both ways. Red bubbling liquid and skulls usually equal bad news. Yeah. Now that could have been maybe a hint it's equal equal to the boiling sea from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland or just Wonderland or, and the idea of the boiling sea. Oh, yeah. One other thing to consider about the red bird is remember in 601, the Savior, when the oracle was there with Aladdin and Jafar came, there was a red bird in the room in a cage. That doesn't mean that red bird actually belongs to the oracle. That red bird could be Jafar's spy that's been there all along as Aladdin's pet and had no connection whatsoever with the oracle. Interesting. So I think that the the red bird, or Iago probably, is that telltale sign that whatever we're seeing is Jafar or influenced by Jafar in some way. Yeah, because that girl has seen better days. <laughs> and we'll talk more about her in a little bit too. Are you an oracle? Maybe. <laughs> Jafar said that these shears once belonged to the three fates and... <laughs> Jacqueline, our Greek mythology expert and general mythology expert, said this and is... general everything expert. <laughs> this, yeah, hashtag higher the nerd. She <laughs> said this is bad mythology. She said the shears would not have belonged to all three fates. Just, I mean, that's problematic just no matter who you are. <laughs> have you ever tried to share something equally with two other people and no. it just belongs to all of you? True. Uh, just a tropos... The fate that cuts the life thread at the end. Clotho spins the thread and Lekasis determines how long the thread is. Please forgive my bad pronunciation if I butchered any of these. I'm not a Greek mythology expert like Jacqueline is, so my pronunciations are very Americanized. <laughs> oh, that Well, hmm, that's I've never heard of these people. Things. What are they? Well, the three are they fates. spinsters? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it totally seems that Jafar wants Aladdin to not be the savior. It's not like Jafar wants to kill Aladdin, but Jafar knows Aladdin could defeat him. And he's offering all of these things, basically saying, you could have the entire world. You could be Prince Aladdin. Just don't be savior Aladdin and we'll be buddy buddy. Why doesn't he want to kill him? Maybe he can't. I was going to say, there's got to be something turn, keeping him from turning him into a rat, right? Yeah. Like, because, I mean, how it should have ended could go crazy. <laughs> it could be a certain rule of magic that the main villain can't actually kill their villain or the savior, really. It would almost but be better if this took place after Wonderland from a certain 
point of view. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I really want to know how they can reconcile all of this with what happens inside of Wonderland and how that timeline mixes. But we got to move on from uh, reharping on that point. Reharping. But it, it could be one of those things where the Savior can only be defeated if he lets himself be defeated or he chooses to defeat himself. So it could be all a mind game sort of thing. Like Jafar cannot defeat Aladdin, but he can cause Aladdin to defeat himself. That would make sense with the way they're putting the role in. Like it is his destiny, Aladdin's destiny or fate to win, to defeat Jafar. In fact, he said it. That comes with the job description. He mm-hmm. gets to do that. That's his thing. Unless he doesn't, which, so then what do you do? You find this creepy red bird that gives saviors <laughs> visions and shakes and there you go. Yeah. And just a, just a technical question. We keep coming up with these things. As Regina said later, why do these magical objects have to be so literal all the time? Like uh, when Rumpel was going to cleave himself from the dagger and when he was cutting his shadow actually we saw that i don't know i don't understand how the shears work do you cut off a finger do you cut your hair do you cut into the air sort of around yourself do you stab yourself with them i've how do they work i've wondered the same thing too it it is very literal but to what extent i think it will be a sort of metaphorical thing that yes although they are literally shears and they will cut i think that it's more something they have to do with them or maybe it's like you you squeeze them three times and say there's nothing like being normal there's nothing like being normal there's nothing like being normal and then poof you're normal (laughs) yeah or they just they just sort of levitate them into the air and try to combine them with some fire yeah Uh, it could uh, be anything like that flame the saviors which is now plural did handle them so it's not a matter of if you touch these then you'll cleave yourself of your saviorness it's they have to use them somehow how i don't know if we'll get to see that we probably will see that but we'll discuss that more in a moment that's called a tease (laughs) back in the castle with the sultan there um this this is a good sign that jafar is a fan of Once Upon a Time. The thief with the heart of gold, or is it the heart that desires gold? All he needed was a superlative, and then he would totally be saying something about Once Upon a Time. The thief that desires gold the most, or the thief <laughs> with the most heart of gold, or the, the thiefist with the mostest, or something, <laughs> anything like that. He tried to boil him down to a concept, a poetic concept. <laughs> yeah. I think that this scene was one of the the corniest scenes <laughs> in Once Upon a Time. But what? I think Aladdin kind of admits to that by saying, was the flying carpet a bit too much? Yes. Yeah, it's good. If you're going to do something, it's good to hang a fez on it. I don't know if this helps or hurts, but when he threw Jasmine, that was brutal. Yeah. I think the problem, though, is that she just sat up kind of miffed, not a bruise on her. I'm like, she landed head first and her legs flew up over her head and then she plopped back down on the ground. Then she just sat up like, you'll never get away with this. 
So I don't know. It was it was an impressive stunt, but I don't think it quite matched what came after. Well, and another thing that doesn't quite match what comes after, even if you ignore Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, is when Aladdin then breaks Jafar's staff. And Jafar looked down at it like, I loved her. Now, if you've watched Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, you understand the significance sort of of that. <laughs> but so leaving, I assume it was fixable. Well, yeah, it would have to be because even if you leave Wonderland out of all of this, Jafar has that staff and the events that we see between Jafar and Aladdin in the premiere episode of this season, not the pilot, but uh, in that episode, The Savior, those events obviously happen after this. And right. in that, Jafar does have his staff and it does have the snake head on it, not the red bird head on it. Yeah. I thought when it broke, when he was saying to Aladdin that he knew nothing of sacrifice, he kind of looked at the staff in a way that I want to yeah. believe was for viewers of Wonderland. Oh, yeah. Totally. I, I There was definitely emotion there when he looked at the staff. Mm-hmm. And I I totally agree with you there. Very convenient. I should say I'm very happy for Aladdin and Jasmine's sake that instead of turning her into a scarab and stepping on her, he put her into a giant hourglass, which was probably also too much. But it was kind of a cool effect. Yeah. It might have been a little too big and a little too fast, a little too shimmery. But, no. you know, it, it, let, uh, it let her live long enough to be rescued by Aladdin on a flying carpet. So there you go. <laughs> that sentence just taken out of context. That's the way this show goes these yeah days. except at least that's a story that we've heard before <laughs> yeah that's that is true <laughs> and it seems that the reason aladdin chose the magic carpet was more because of legends that he's heard he's just being like wanting it's the metaphorical white horse and coming in with being the knight in white shining armor it's i've heard all of these stories and i just want to fulfill them because this is kind of fun and i'm the savior i'm all cool and everything <laughs> and i'm going to just go all out and make this a big show and fly around all dramatically and stuff <laughs> before i then defeat the villain and i'll save you just in the nick of time literally yeah he nicked the timepiece when jasmine and aladdin then go to the market Jasmine said that a falcon arrived, which makes me think heavily of the game Assassin's Creed. Oh, I but, thought you were going to say Harry Potter. Well, that could be and interesting owls. too. But um, she said that Jafar was sighted in the eastern provinces. I wondered if maybe that meant then he is doing his Wonderlandian things, or maybe eastern provinces are Enchanted Forest, and maybe he's basically then sighted in the Enchanted Forest. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> the things they say. Do they really mean anything? Or do they just laugh when we try to figure it out? At this point, I really don't know with the show anymore. They were very, well, I guess except for the almost kiss. They were very much just sort of, it's not Cinderella's story. Hmm. Put it that way. Cinderella spent about 10 seconds with the prince and was happily ever after. Yeah, These two are, she even stops kissing him and goes, I have to be here to fix the kingdom. I can't go with you or even declare my love for you or kiss you or anything, even though she clearly knows a lot about him even before she finds him. 
And so they didn't kiss at all. She stopped the kiss from happening. They also don't kiss back in Storybrooke when they're reunited. They're just hugging there by the park. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any significance to that? Like a cursy thing that has to be broken? Maybe a cursy thing. Or Jacqueline <laughs> suggested <laughs> that maybe they're saving the kiss for something. They want it to be a bigger moment. Yeah. Which I could totally see them doing. Oh. But it could also tie maybe in. Maybe the shears are just a curse. Maybe she can restore his power. Maybe. Maybe. That could could very likely be. I could also have something, at least on the storybook side, to do with another theory that oh. we'll get into in a little bit. Nonetheless, Jafar continues to want to stop Aladdin because from wherever Jafar is, since he was sighted in the eastern provinces, from way over there, he then poofs the the shears over to Aladdin. And as, or magics them. Yeah, as if he's been monitoring this conversation the whole time. Yeah, and how creepy. You're like, oh, there's a satchel on my arm. What's in there? Oh, that thing. Take note of that little crown logo. It was on the satchel and it's on the note as well. And we have screenshots for this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 266 if you want to see it. But I think that little uh, crown emblem could be a little indication to us maybe in the future. Couldn't really tell in this episode, but maybe in the future we'll see that as an indication of Jafar. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that with the way that the producers treat the show, they won't hide it really to us. Because see, if he could magic a satchel onto Aladdin's shoulder, he could also magic Aladdin about 100 feet over the palace and just let go. So I guess he can't kill Aladdin. Right. And no flying carpet to save you now. And that might be something really important to remember with Emma's whole struggle is whoever this is that she sees in her vision, maybe that being can't actually kill her because of some law of magic or law of saviorness or something like that. Uh, Something else to consider interesting too is Aladdin's vision had nothing to do with any kind of battle. It just looked very grim, (laughs) death-like. There were... There were things that seem to kill. Yeah. And so it's more like, this is your future, death. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Tell me something I don't know. Sometime after now, you will die. (laughs) But you know who keeps us from dying? Hmm. Our wonderful heroes for the podcast, episode after episode, supporting this podcast. And really, we could not, and I do mean this literally, we could not and probably would not continue the podcast if it wasn't for your kind support. If so we could for this not, episode, we definitely would not. Yes. For this episode, I want to thank our heroes, Lisa Slack, Lisa, different Lisa, Whoa. Jim Babwee, K88, Jill Sherrod, Greg Shope, Aaron Nunnally, Marianne Lavati. David Newland, and our 28 heroes on Patreon. Thank you very much for your support of the podcast. You keep it going episode after episode. I know I've got a bunch of bloopers to be able to share with our heroes because that's something really fun. They get access to our bloopers. I just have to edit them together so that they're they're funnier when they're edited together and shorter and such. And you get to hear the best and the funniest of them. But those are exclusive 
to our heroes. And even if you get to watch us when we record the podcast live, or maybe you watch the unedited versions on YouTube, yeah, you see some of our mistakes, but I'll tell you, they're a lot funnier when you see mistake after mistake after mistake. When we line up all of our mistakes together in a blooper reel, it's a lot funnier than when the mistakes are seeded throughout a three-hour recording session. And seeded mistakes are hilarious. Exactly. So if you want those seeded mistakes, which sounds really horrible, but they taste delicious, <laughs> then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero and become a hero. You can get access to the bloopers and support the podcast for as little as a dollar per month. Now, at higher levels, you do get more things like you get thanked by name when you're at a higher level or you get thanked in multiple episodes every month when you're at a higher support level for the podcast. But it's fine if you can only afford a dollar per month. Is the podcast worth that to you? Does the podcast make the TV show more fun for you to watch? If so, please consider becoming a hero over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. On to the present in Storybrooke. Starts out with uh, Emma and Archie are chasing the red bird. Let's just call him Iago. It's most likely Iago. If it isn't actually Iago, I want to call him Oracle their... Bird. <laughs> well, that could the be the Oracle too. Therapy Bird. Well, they find the Oracle, or they find the girl who is claimed to be an Oracle. When really, a little bird told her. <laughs> two questions here. Nope, what? at least three. Okay, because you've got two, and I'm going to back up and say. Why did Emma drag Archie into the woods when he cannot help in any way with any of this rather than just being on her phone talking to him and canceling her session as she chases the bird? I think she probably wanted him to see the vision himself, if if that would even be possible. Huh. That's weird, I guess. It was weird. My couple questions about this are, one, obviously, is the oracle really dead we don't know if the oracle's really the oracle we don't know if the oracle's really dead it looked like she had been poisoned by this bitter draft of the venom from the agrabah slash agrabon viper apparently by the evil queen but if this oracle is dead doesn't that mean she was actually the girl and not jafar yeah maybe The other thing is, well, did the evil queen really kill this oracle? Because she didn't exactly confirm that she killed the oracle. She said some things that could make it sound like she did or that she's just taking credit for or thinking, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love to be the one to do that. (laughs) And it makes total sense that I would do such a thing. Oh, I think she did it. And one thing to consider this oracle that we see dead, if I think this is a different person than we've seen previously. Why? No staff. So what? She always had that staff. At least the oracle we saw in Storybrooke had the staff. The oracle we saw... Jasmine was her staff. <laughs> the oracle we saw back in the premiere episode of this season did not have a staff with her. Jafar had a staff. This oracle that we see dead does not have a staff with her. We've already seen this whole trick of bringing someone to Storybrooke and they're dead or they die shortly on arrival. And interestingly, it happened with the same kind of curse, the same looking thing. 
So I think this girl is definitely the same girl as was with Aladdin back in the premiere episode, The Savior, when Jafar came and Aladdin was suffering from the Savior shakes. <laughs> I don't think that this girl that we see dead, and I do think this girl is really dead. I don't think she's the same Oracle that we've seen previously walking around in Storybrooke or in the woods. But then where really. has she been? Doesn't matter. She's been dead. No, she hasn't been dead. She would be decomposed. She's recently dead. Yes, true. And sitting in the same spot where she was apparently waiting for days. It's possible that she has been inside of the staff this whole time. Inside of Jafar's staff. And so he lets her out, kills her, and leaves her there as bait or something. This sounds really complicated to try to unravel and explain once upon a time style for the audience (laughs) perhaps i mean i might have said the same thing if you had theorized that at some point zelina showed up and killed marion and took her place and got brought back to our world and then posed as marion for several months before revealing who she really was, I might have said that would be too difficult to go back and explain. And they did it. So it's not outside the realm of possibility, which is probably actually a realm that we'll see if Once Upon a Time stays on the air long enough. Hmm. (laughs) It's where your story can have any ending you want. But I digress. I just don't think it's all that plausible. I think... I'm starting to doubt that we've even seen anyone other than the actual same girl. And the way I'm explaining it is probably sounding a lot more complicated than it actually is. But I'm not alone in this idea. I know right now in the chat room, many of them are saying, oh, great theory, great theory. And others have had this theory, too. (laughs) So write in and let us know if you think this is a great theory. It's a vote. And uh, from our forums... Amdelay, I hope I'm saying that correctly, probably not. The thing is the fact that we have a corpse that looks like the Oracle now does not mean that the Oracle was not Jafar before. This body could easily be a distraction after Jafar has decided that his disguise and relationship with Jasmine now has no value and he wants to return to his own agenda. Here's another theory. I really like this theory. The Dark One Deary said any chance Jafar was using the Oracle girl to disguise himself and now he's using Aladdin. Maybe Aladdin in Storybrooke is actually Jafar and that's why he gave Emma the shears so she could do the same thing Aladdin did. Or maybe Aladdin is actually alive somewhere else and never used the shears. I like that, but it makes what actually happened in this episode even more problematic. How? Specifically... The tracking spell. Not necessarily. (laughs) And we'll get to that. Yeah. Where there's all this kind of stuff we will get to as we get to it. (laughs) When uh, I want to jump back, though, to Shirin, when they're in... Don't call her that. Everybody's got two names in this stupid town, and I'm sick of it. (laughs) Jasmine. When they're interrogating Jasmine, (laughs) did you notice there was a dream catcher on the table there in the interrogation room? It's kind of like maybe that's what they were planning to use to 
find out the truth from her if she wasn't already telling the truth. How would that work? Pull well, her memories out of her head and steal them from her and then watch them like a YouTube video? Probably. I can see them doing that. <laughs> but wouldn't that turn somebody's heart just a little bit dark? It's kind of mean, you know. <laughs> We're not supposed to think about what can turn a person's heart dark anymore. That was <laughs> That's so previous season. <laughs> also beginning of this season because it's been mentioned. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love that Emma was able to predict that his name was Aladdin because she saw the movie. And he's like, it's a this world thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's our world's magic. We have movies about all the magical realms somehow. We know all their stories. There would have to be magic. Isn't it strange that the story has warped around our minds to the point that that actually sounds like a valid theory? Oh, yeah. Even totally. though it's called a land without magic, that there's some kind of a magic that just causes authors to write stories from other lands, maybe that haven't even happened yet, and make them into movies for our entertainment. That's why, why you, right now listening, love this podcast, because we're the only people who can have these kinds of conversations <laughs> and most of the time not think it's absolutely ridiculous what we're saying. Right. <laughs> Sci-Fi Girl points out that it was a bit unclear when the Evil Queen went to visit Archie whether she is actually claiming credit or if she's stealing credit for killing that girl, whether she's the Oracle or not, but the girl in the forest. Sci-Fi Girl did say maybe she saw who did it and maybe she didn't, but either way, she's not telling. With this whole thing of the evil queen shape-shifting to look like Archie, it reminds me of those questions that often get asked of the actors at conferences and conventions and such. If you could be anyone else on the show, who would you want to be? And many people will say, oh, evil queen or hook or, you know, the villain or, or yeah. someone like that. And here, Raphael Sabarge gets to be the evil queen. <laughs> How many other people can do that? <laughs> Not many. <laughs> Would have been funny if somehow she got stuck like that and he had to act like her for a little bit. No, oh, yeah. Don't stay in a changed form or you'll stay that way for the rest of your life. How come Zelina needed the necklace to put on the glamour, but Regina doesn't? That never a has. Very good question. It could be something about the duration of the spell. That could be, I guess. Like if you only need it for 20 minutes, it's very easy to do. But if you need it for days and days and days and even for it to work while you're asleep oh. and you're basically unconscious, sort yes. of, uh, that you need yeah, the necklace to do it for you. That's good. They can run with that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Archie, as nice of a guy as he is, this is horrible advice, Archie. You, you can do whatever you feel is right for you. You don't have to be in, in anyone's shadow. Isn't that why we're in this mess? All of the villains have been doing whatever they feel is right to them. None of them believe that there's right and wrong. <laughs> there's only, there, this is who I am. I'm wicked. I'm evil. Although I don't know if Selena believes that, but, you know. Yeah, a lot of questions about what Selena does or doesn't believe. He's, I mean, he's, he's pleading with her. It's kind of like, you can do whatever is right for you as long as it's not wicked and hurts me and stuff. Yeah. But then Archie, or rather evil queen as Archie. So evil Archie, or what would that be? Archie queen, cricket queen, 
Quicket. Quicket. Quicket Cream. Evil Cricket. Yeah, it's hard enough to pronounce that. Whatever. Evil Cricket, whatever kind of ship you want to say or hybrid or merge or whatever you want to call them. Because it's not really a ship. It's it's a um, impersonation. Yeah, impersonation. But in any case, she – all kinds of violating patient and uh, doctor confidentiality, which I know uh, we received some feedback about that. Uh, just how – yeah, there's – there's all kinds of that stuff going on in the show of violating that. Like you're not even supposed to know whether someone is even a patient of another doctor. That's well, violating the confidentiality. Sure. But when somebody already knows that or they've told people, I suppose it's out there. Maybe. But then Evil Queen as Archie violates all of that confidentiality mm-hmm. and gets Emma to spill the beans, not magic beans, though. I think this was twofold. Well, Evil Queen did not violate anything that she's taken an oath to. She's simply deceived yeah. and got someone to believe that she was talking to her therapist, which she was not. Yeah. And she used that influence to, I think, one, sow discord. And that's, I think, why after she leaves Emma after dropping that bomb on everyone. And- well, I was going to say, once they were, she was with the family... Yeah, that's when she kind of sullied Archie's reputation as a professional. <laughs> yeah, but then they they realize within the same episode, oh, that wasn't Archie. But she goes off laughing because of I think the discord is she's making everyone tear themselves <laughs> apart. But Hashtag. remember what happened before this when evil Archie was talking to Emma. At the bug and the whole reason why evil queen took on Archie's form is because the evil queen wants to know what Emma's vision is. Yeah. Why is that so important to her? Now she knows. I think because evil queen knowing that at the end of this episode, the shears have not been hidden. I think evil queen will want to use those shears in order to cut Emma from the game. I'm trying to think of a clever hashtag to indicate that the Captain Swan ship is sinking and the captain needs to go down with the ship. (laughs) There, I said it. And I'll talk more about that later. (laughs) When Jasmine and Henry have their little kind of heart-to-heart conversation, I think it further confirms this idea that Aladdin already had magic. But you know the saying from season one, evil isn't born, it's made. Does the same thing apply to saviors? I don't know. Are saviors born? I kind of don't think so. Are they made? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Emma was born. (laughs) It was kind of known about her from when she was born. Well. It was prophesied. I think the saviors in Once Upon a Time lore, that is, the saviors are made. They're not born. Now, magic seems to be born and people are born with magic. Emma is the product of true love, which allowed her to be so magical. And Rumple made her the savior of the curse by using some of the true love potion. But he didn't actually change what Emma inherently was and how magical she really was. Now, since season one, they've really amplified what her saviorness means. I think the same thing could be said for Aladdin. Since he has this magic naturally, and it's light magic, it seems then that he must have been born 
as the product of true love. And that's why he has all of this magic. And he wasn't born a savior. He was made a savior or he was put on the path to become a savior for Agrabah. Just like Emma. Well, sort of like Emma. Yeah. See, they better not go down that road because Henry definitely did not make her Storybrooke's savior. Right. She was already destined to be Storybrooke's Mm -hmm. savior because of the curse. She was written in Mm -hmm. as the savior to that curse, but there's the whole bringer of happy endings and everything else where they've matured what the idea of savior means. So remember the roots, remember the foundation. Don't go down that road. Even the guilt is a little bit much to me, but I can see where it came from at least. Jacqueline said, are there commonalities between saviors? What makes a savior? Can anyone qualify or are there certain criteria? Do you have to, and here's what I'll add to that. Do you have to be born of true love to be a quote savior, unquote, in once upon a time? Do you have to have that magic inherently or can you just get that magic from like drinking from a goblet somewhere? Well, I tell you one way we'll know for sure. If an episode within the next, mm, I don't know, we'll say five episodes begins with a woman in labor and they're clearly in Agrabah and we don't know who these people are. And then the baby's born and they go, Aladdin. (laughs) And there's this whole story and somebody blusters in the door and blah, 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 your true love, blah, blah, blah. And a really cool sword fight. I'm super evil. Where the sultan or someone is holding baby Aladdin (laughs) and fights off a bunch of people while holding a baby. Yes. I'm totally going to do that when Noodle Baby is born, by Are the way. Are you? Who's going to be fighting you? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> so, yes. It could go that way. What do you think about the Charmings and Secrets? I think they're ridiculous. I think they're not very charming. I think it was the heart-to-heart with Snow and Emma was a little bit more, at least it was natural out of the things that had happened in the story rather than Henry's sudden, oh, I saved the town by getting my mom on the path to her destiny. I'm sorry. Okay, cool. But this, you know, it was a real moment with mother and daughter. Somehow, Snow and Charming manage to seem older than Emma, which cracks me up. They actually seem like they are her parents. Now, maybe that was partially because they sat Emma in a short chair and put Snow up on a high stool just for effect. But I like I thought their little conversation was nice, except for Snow saying that she and David don't keep secrets from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, well, dear, that's kind of a, an ideal you aspire to. You understand the value in it because you guys have done it so many times and learned the hard way not to do it. So don't pretend that even Emma doesn't know that you guys keep secrets from each other all the time. And I get that they were trying to be ironic because David is currently keeping a secret from Snow, potentially. Yeah. Which, thankfully, they didn't sidebar (laughs) into any weird little scenes about David pursuing this thing that everybody's scratching their heads about that I'm sure is set up for something in the second part of the season, even though it's not maybe a distinct story arc. It's still, I think, their seeding story for later. Yeah, they're seeding for the whole tear yourselves <laughs> apart. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yes, 
Yes, you do keep secrets from each other, and you all have learned the hard way not to do it. So stop it. And Emma, being her little inner 14-year-old self again, I didn't lie. Well, and even Emma has said before, no more secrets. Mm-hmm. And then she turned around and kept secrets. Hook's still the worst. It's like, I'm never going to lie ever again in my life. But this statement might actually be a lie. <laughs> I, I want Henry to just be watching that. They should pull back the camera and Henry's just listening to their conversation, eating a slice of pizza. Uh-huh. Or apple pie. Yeah, except the, the, the pizza is lie therapy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> because pizza doesn't lie. Yeah. Uh, but I loved the day spa uh, being called the Three Bears Day Spa. And it says where everything is just right. It was the slogan on the sign. Inside, mm-hmm. he is actually credited, but uh, it's interesting. One of the sites I do some research on occasionally didn't catch his appearance. Inside of the Three Bears Day Spa was Sneezy mm-hmm. and Mr. Clark. He was there hearing this whole conversation <laughs> between Selena and Regina, or Evil Queen Regina, that is. And it's super awkward especially and maybe the whole reason why he's staying silent is because of hearing the awkwardness and connecting all the dots that both evil queen and Zelina have hit on the dark one and guess what he hit on their mother yeah awkward yeah he was almost their stepfather in a way (laughs) was Goldilocks doing evil queen's nails it did look like that was a Goldilocks. Now, a Goldilocks. There's well, not like no. <laughs> we don't have more than one Goldilocks. The first season, I think it's the first season Blu-ray. She was or maybe a type second of season Goldilocks. One of the season Blu-rays. I don't remember which one now. Um, pretty sure it was the first one. Included a Good Morning Storybook special. Oh, that's right. That had goldilocks in it I don't that was canon. not the same goldilocks so yeah you, you have to assume it's probably not canon one of them's an imposter and you know i would go to the land of untold stories until i found things that were just right too why can evil queen just be at a day spa yeah i mean i guess what are people gonna do but wouldn't they at least leave when she walks in well maybe when she walked in everyone thought it's Regina. Regina and Zelina are hanging out. They're sisters. They're Look going to the day how... spa together. They're talking about boys. They're talking about boys. <laughs> Maybe, but Evil Queen has a little bit of a different style. It's not, you know, tasteful cotton. So I think she stands out a little bit. Mm. Now, Evil Queen there uh, does not have her facts straight. She said that as Regina, or as evil Regina in the first season, she was lying to Henry about who she really was and that if she had only been honest with Henry that he would have accepted her. But remember, in the first season, Henry knew exactly who she was. And then even in the second season, when she tried to be honest with him about who she was and what she could do and all the magic and offered him a giant cupcake that, Henry, I totally respect you. I might not have been so strong as you if a giant cupcake that looked that delicious was offered to me. <laughs> but uh, you remember that he rejected that. And even though he knew all the truth about who Regina was, he still rejected it. So 
the evil queen here is is totally either forgetting or lying. She lied. He didn't figure it out until he was a little bit older. I think her idea is that you raise this baby from the beginning knowing who you are. Yeah. And okay. to appreciate things, to to see things the way you see them. And you'll have a loyal child and a friend and an ally rather than raising them normally mm-hmm. and then revealing that you're all the things that they believe are wrong. Now, Zelina didn't seem like she was too much in favor of that, especially when Evil Queen said that Zelina's daughter might turn out as wonderfully wicked as herself. Zelina did not look all that excited. Well, Zelina should have serious, serious trust issues and should at least still suspect that Evil Queen is only being like this because she wants a powerful ally. She also has had at least a taste of what it is to not be wicked and to have the people around you accept you and to sort of have friends and a family. Even though she and Regina don't see eye to eye, it's still a better life than plotting and scheming and being wicked. Although by the end, she started to seem like she was enjoying herself. Hmm. Meanwhile, while the real Regina is making the jar of nightmares. She's making this different kind of locator magic spell that will link like magic. Now, there is a little bit of a problem here, and the Watcher mentioned this. She said, what is savior magic? Isn't that just light magic? Wouldn't the locator spell just connect to anyone who uses light magic? Didn't Regina herself use light magic? Don't the fairies use light magic? I don't think savior magic is a thing. And initially, I was thinking, no, because there is savior magic. Aladdin's a savior. Emma is a savior. And Regina even referred to savior magic as linking them. But then again, going back to our idea of is a savior born or are they made? Well, Aladdin and Emma both use light magic, but so have other people. The only thing that made them a savior Well, in Emma's case, was because she was written into the curse. In Aladdin's case, it's because he chose to be. Hmm. They're scheming. Because, frankly, I don't even buy the idea that the locator spell wouldn't work because Aladdin stole everything he had. It still ended up being his at a certain point. Well, that's a nice idea to point out that even if you steal something, that doesn't make it yours. I suppose. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, there are other problems with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like if he used the shears, he doesn't have his magic. So how did yeah. she find him? Is it the scarab itself? Uh, things. Yeah. Things. Yeah. This is a nice setup because mm-hmm. we're getting into this. They, whatever is doing this and whatever kind of magic is being linked, it seems to work because it takes them to this crypt some kind of forgotten crypt i do kind of wonder is this the place where saviors are buried no (laughs) i hope not because i don't like anything about that (laughs) yeah uh for a lot of reasons but i did find it funny that regina got one of her moments she's like she has an alternate role Her role in the story is almost narrator. Hmm. 
she's like, we're directly under the cemetery. Well, how do you know that? You guys went in through what? A cave in the forest? Are you that good with your directions and your distance? Maybe. Maybe she is, but I thought it was funny. And uh, going back to your point about what was this magic connected to, if this helped Emma find Aladdin, then, and even Ariana in the chat room is mentioning this right now, wouldn't this kind of indicate that Aladdin still has magic? I would think so. Or maybe that scarab pin has the magic. What I really kind of hate is that nobody's asking this question yet. Emma was the one being drawn to it. Shouldn't she already be going, well, what was I drawn to? She should have been asking that when he was dead in their minds. Mm. What was she being drawn to if he was dead? And then when he was alive, she still should have been like, well, if you use these... Like, that should be the next question that she's asking in the next episode is, well, what was I drawn to then? She was, it seemed like she was drawn to this place. Maybe not specifically a point. Like, she was drawn this to particular magic, body. Though. Yeah. And there was some kind of that magic in this place, some kind of savior magic in this place. And that's what she was drawn to. You can't destroy magic. So maybe the shears take it off of you and we'll find that you have to imbue something else with the power and now it's in the scarab. That is a very good point. Magic cannot be destroyed. It can only change forms. Rumpel has said that before. Vocab words yeah. from previous seasons, <laughs> such as imbued. Yes. You, would, you might say that the shears cleave one from their power oh, and their oh, responsibility. So, yeah, they... Do they remove magic or do they remove saviorness? Hey, is Aladdin creeping on everybody? To an extent. How did he know to put the pin out as a diversion? How did he know they were coming? Very good question. And now some of the stuff that we've been teasing toward this whole time. Here's one idea. And unfortunately, there wasn't a name associated with this or even with the email address. I don't know who to credit for this theory. But they said the dead corpse in the crypt, which also had the scarab, was dead, quote, savior Aladdin, unquote. And the Aladdin who is still walking around is dark or bad or some type of evil Aladdin. Emma was led to the dead corpse by the locator spell. The Aladdin that appeared was in the back of the crypt. She was not led directly to him. Or, now this is me. Thank you for that feedback. Sorry, we didn't get your name with this. But, um... Or that Aladdin that we see isn't actually Aladdin, and it's Jafar, who has finished pretending to be the Oracle and is now pretending to be Aladdin. Or it's the evil queen. Just kidding. We know where she was at this time. Matt in the forums suggested one other thing it could be is that Aladdin's magic is somehow absorbed into the shears. It's not really something that I've thought about, but if you cut your destiny away from yourself... What happens? Where does it go? Do the savior powers just dissolve into thin air? Nope. According to Once Upon a Time rules, they have to go somewhere. Oh, so she could have been drawn to the shears. Possible, yeah. So can they uncut? Can they just reverse the cutting? Just put it all back right onto him? Hmm. There you go. Oh. I don't like the shears. I like them less than a magic taser. Aladdin said that he's been in Storybrooke this entire time. Creeper. Yeah. So that would mean since season one, since the dark curse was first enacted. 
street rat. But for one thing, if that's Jafar and not Aladdin. Then it's a lie. Yeah. It would have to be a lie because Once Upon a Time in Wonderland takes place during the Once Upon a Time events, however you align these things. But we know it does take place during it. So it means that Jafar could not have been in Storybrooke all since the first curse. Well, yeah. I mean, he's making up a narrative. If it's him, he's making up a narrative for Aladdin. He's not talking about himself. He would have been in the land of untold stories, mm-hmm. presumably. They've got so much explaining to do. Because we still don't know why Jasmine was in the land of untold stories. Well, it seems that she feels responsible for the trouble that Agrabah is in. And in fact, she she doesn't know that Agrabah fell. The last thing she knew, because she went to the land of untold stories, the last thing she knew was Agrabah was in trouble and she ran away to the land of untold stories. How do we know Aladdin that said, oh. now that is if we can trust Aladdin, he did say there in the crypt, he said to Emma that because he used the shears. Oh, right. That Agrabah fell. Now, can we really believe that? I don't know. And there again, Wonderland would seem to resolve what I would think he was talking about-ish, maybe, kind of, maybe. But Jasmine thinks that it's still in danger. Maybe she's going to learn otherwise. Or maybe he thinks it's over. Maybe they'll both go back and be like, oh, actually, everything's cool here. Well, in this next scene, when they're in the park... H-U-G-G-I-N-G, not K-I-S-S-I-N-G, Jeez. Uh, which they have not kissed at all in, mm-hmm. in this episode. Nope, we haven't seen them kiss yet. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, Jasmine basically says, we have to go back. We have to save Agrabah. <laughs> and Aladdin says, yeah, about that. Which now, is a totally predictable line, by the way. Yeah. What is the thing that comes after that? Is it to say, yeah, we're too late. Agrabah fell. It's gone. It's rubble now. Sorry. He said that in response to, we need the savior. Yeah. And also in the same sentence as the Agrabah's in trouble. So what is he responding to? He could also be (laughs) responding to the idea of, we need the savior. Yeah, I'm not the savior. And in fact, I'm not even Aladdin. I'm actually Jafar. (laughs) I, I don't know. That's that's if that theory is true. I don't think he's Jafar. So not only does Jasmine not know the fate of Agrabah, but we don't even know what caused that horrible fate. Because you look back at what happened in this episode, and Aladdin shows up, and he magics some things around, and that scares Jafar away. But then jump back to the episode The Savior, the first episode of the season, and we see Jafar come and say to Aladdin, you could have prevented this and all of this stuff. And there's that guy running to Aladdin saying, we're in trouble, we're in trouble, and all of this. So it seems like <laughs> what happened is... You mean, help, help, we're dying. Can yeah. you save us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seems like Jafar came back to Agrabah for some reason. He needed something, probably. He always does. Yeah. Meanwhile... Back at Zelina's farm, I loved the little detail that Archie had some spit up on his shirt after <laughs> bouncing. And let's hope he was making faces. It wasn't from Robin. the baby. It was from him after watching 
Evil Queen and Selena. So happy. <laughs> but Archie is now a cricket again. Selena and Evil Queen do have a pretty good relationship at this point. Selena can say murder is a little too evil for her taste, and Evil Queen's just a little disappointed. But but turning him into a cricket, that's wicked, and they 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 can both appreciate that. Yeah, but <laughs> I still don't get the feeling in this whole episode that Zelina is totally allied with no. Regina. I still really feel like Zelina is just kind of going along with this. Yeah, I think so. And in fact, what she did saved Archie. It's true. And you even see that whole thing about the, you know, I can't kill you because that would be evil and I'm wicked. And the the look that Evil Queen gave. Now, there's a theory, though, uh, that... Of course there is. Maybe the Evil Queen can't kill. Anyone? Anyone. Yeah. Maybe the Jafar we know split himself in two. And the Jafar in this show is his alter ego. And that's why he can't kill anyone either. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, no, I'm pretty sure we've seen her kill, haven't we? She's no. claimed to kill with the poison a couple of times, I think. Well, once. Well, One, just it took its course. Yeah, and we don't know for sure if she did really kill the Oracle. Could Okay, could the Oracle have been what's-her-face from the other story? That was super specific. Um, the, her eyes? That girl? Yeah. Did we see her face? Yeah, we did see her oh. face. It was definitely well, so much the Oracle. For that. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't uh, the Count of Monte Cristo's girlfriend Slash. that looked kind of like his fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also don't know exactly what the evil queen did to the dragon. All she said is, let's just say he knows not to get in my way anymore. Interesting. Or something like that that didn't really clearly say, yeah, I killed him. Well, it makes sense because it's like if she wants to, I mean, maybe she's getting revenge on Emma, but otherwise it's like, why don't you really take her off the chessboard? Why put her sort of, you can't even send her to like Boston or something. You just kind of put her on the outskirts of town. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I don't know why Jafar wouldn't be able to kill anyone though. So now we've got the shears and Hook will take them to a thousand leagues under the sea, but... They're so concerned about the shears falling into the wrong hands. You know what that means. Of course they're going to. Yeah, exactly. I'm so done with him. How, okay, best case, his intentions are to, if it's necessary, use them on Emma to save her life. Change her nature Take away her power, change, take away her savior status, change her at a fundamental level to save her life without her permission. How is that different than what she did to save his life that sent him into his dark one rages where he tried to kill everyone? And how it's actually worse because he had never explicitly told her, hey, just so we're clear, I do not ever want to be the dark one. But she, he knows what she wanted done with the shears. He knows she does not want that. 
But he also knows she wants to live happily ever after with him and with the family, with their friends. And in fact, when he gets off the boat after dropping uh, the shears, supposedly dropping the shears 19,000 leagues short of 20,000 leagues under the sea, he says, Your heart's desire, Swan. I promise that's all I want you to have. I think that's also his motivation for keeping the shears. I don't care. They could have talked about it. No more lies. No more secrets. He could have tried to convince her, let me keep them somewhere safe. Put a protection spell over them. We'll have them if we need them. Mm -hmm. But let's not do something too drastic just in case things change. Ah, no. He's ridiculous. (laughs) It's not. It's not okay. And... You know, that was the best case. Worst case, he's too dumb to realize that somebody can find them, can take them, can use them to hurt and kill her and Henry and her parents and everyone that she loves, including him. Hello? He's putting her entire family at risk, not just her desires. Others have agreed with that same basic idea and sending in similar feedback that these shears could be a way for Regina to cut off Evil Queen completely and defeat the Evil Queen. Here's another idea suggested by Grimm's sister. Emma's visions are only the possible future. She is seeing the outcome of what will happen if she uses the shears and severs herself from her savior Emma's side. This is parallel to Regina slash Evil Queen. What happens is that by severing themselves, they don't get rid of any sides. They only bring their inner fights to the outside world. What Emma sees in her visions are Dark Emma killing Savior Emma. It was said in this episode that the Savior always dies. Hmm. So maybe that's what always will happen if you use the shears. And the magic of these shears is probably dark magic, so that seems fitting that the price of using it will be the death of the good part of yourself. Thank you for that feedback. I think this could also support the idea of the good Aladdin, or even just Aladdin plainly, being dead, and that the magic did take Emma and everyone else to Aladdin's dead bones. But that the Aladdin we see is either then the evil Aladdin or it's not Aladdin at all and it's actually Jafar because using these shears means paying the ultimate price for being the savior and just ending your life, basically. Almost makes you want some squid ink. (laughs) Almost. I'm getting brain pain Mm -hmm. from this. If you are experiencing brain pain too, then don't worry. You can go to oncepodcast.com slash 266 for our show notes for this episode and continue this conversation there. You can also go to oncepodcast.com and join our forums to talk about this episode, any of the past episodes, or future episodes. There are sections where you're allowed to discuss spoilers. So if you have some spoilers you want to discuss and theorize about, that's the place to go. And you'll hear some more spoilers and theories and uh, all kinds of good stuff there from Hunter and Jacqueline in just a little bit so you can feed your spoiler side there if you'd like to. But 
please share this episode out by going to oncepodcast.com slash 266 and click on those sharing buttons. Tell someone else about the podcast. Maybe you are the only person you know who watches the TV show Once Upon a Time, and we can be your friends then who talk about the show with you. Maybe you discover another friend that watches the show, or you get someone else to watch the show with you. Tell them about the podcast as well. Send them to oncepodcast.com, and that is the best way that you can support the podcast is by sharing it with others. Sharing the shears of the Savior Shakes. And we can have our own little tongue twister eventually, I think, from this. (laughs) Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers who help us episode after episode. So special thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them in a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, and to my co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. It's really fun to do it together. And until next time, I might be a selfish street rat, but you're a selfish princess. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be a hero too and get access to our really fun bloopers, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And spoiler time for Once Podcast, episode 606, Dark Waters. Emma tries to convince Aladdin to work with Jasmine to help Agrabah, while Regina teams up with Snow and David to free Archie from Zelina. The evil queen shows suspicion between Henry and Hook. Even Mr. Gold reminds her of his most important lesson. Meanwhile, in the past, Hook finds himself kidnapped by the mysterious Captain Nemo and held captive inside his legendary submarine, the Nautilus. This one's written by Andrew Chambliss and Brigitte Hales, and it's directed by Robert Duncan. Yeah. So it's a Hook episode this week. Yep. And we like Hook episodes. And we do have several guest stars. We do have Raphael Sabarge back as Dr. Archie or Jiminy Cricket. Karen David, of course, as Princess Jasmine and Dennis Ockdennis as Aladdin. David Avalon is here as Doc. Farin Tahir as Captain Nemo. Nick Eversman as the first mate. And Corey Schmidt as the second mate. Doc's been getting a lot of play this season, hasn't he? Yep. He and... He and Grumpy have been getting quite a bit of screen time, and usually it's Grumpy and uh, Happy. Yeah. But they're substituting in Doc this year, apparently. Maybe Happy got another job. Maybe. (laughs) Okay, so we got a promo. Yes. Okay, so before we start talking about this, these promos seem to be getting shorter and shorter, or is it just me? I don't think it's just you, but the one really good thing about this promo is that they have finally stopped promoting the living daylights out of Aladdin (laughs) and Jasmine. Jasmine. (laughs) 
<laughs> like it's finally actually about the episode in question. Oh, I know, but it was just like so these are 30 second promos and I swear like 15 seconds of it is the opening title and the closing title. Yeah. <laughs> like these are just getting so short. So this one is a Captain Hook episode, so we're all happy with that one. And you see green glowing eyes in the water and I believe that's the Nautilus. I thought so too. I think it's the sub. Yeah, cuz I think we saw it later in the promo too. But like Hook, yeah, we did. Hook, yeah, Hook dives into the water with another person and they end up on the sub and are welcomed aboard and right away there's a sword fight. Yes, and then we do get to hear and see Captain Nemo and he needs some sort of help with a mission. Yeah, that's all we learned. <laughs> right, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's the entire episode. I think for once we finally learned more in the photos than we did on than the promo. There was a ridiculous amount of photos this week. Yes. <laughs> like, there haven't been this many photos for an episode so far, I believe. I mean, a lot of them are the same. A lot of them are Hook. Well, a lot of them are Hook. And then we also, like, there's like three different scenes that you see a lot of. Yes. So... We So one of the first scenes we see is Zelina and Regina, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're outside, I think probably outside Zelina's house. Well, if you look, I don't think the photos are all in order, because if you look, Zelina's wearing the exact same thing when she's with the evil queen. Yes. So I believe it's outside her house. Yeah. So that's one scene, Regina, Zelina. And then the other scene we get a lot of photos from was the scene between Emma and Aladdin. And there is the yellow bug. So we finally get to see the yellow bug. And it looks like Emma has taken Aladdin out to the town line. And um, this is the episode with the dress that everybody kind of looked at and went, why is Emma Swan wearing that dress? Yeah. But we do get to see the Welcome to Storybrooke sign. We do. And it looks like she and Aladdin are having a nice conversation. Yes. And then we go back to Zelina's house. Mm-hmm. And that's where we do see the evil queen in yeah. maybe another new outfit. I think they just keep giving her new outfits every week. It's like a black pantsuit. Yeah. And then it, yeah. a ton of photos from the flashbacks um, of Hook and Captain Nemo. Yeah. And you get it. They do a really good job. Like there's two photos where no one's in the photo. So you can actually get to see the sub and all the little details of it. Yeah. Okay, should we go into the scripties? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure everybody is just Because waiting. there was no Canadian promo. We have not gotten any of those this year. Have you noticed that? No Canadian promos? I know. No Canadian promos. I think Canada might be... Well, they can't be airing it differently because Aaron does live initial reactions with Daniel and she's in Canada. So... Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. But let's move to the scripties. Yes. Who do you want to play this week? I want to do Henry. Okay, I'll be the evil queen. Okay. Is that so? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's underlined, so you gotta say it like that. He's clearly giving some sass. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) riveting. I know. But that's it for episode 606. Yeah. And we did get another episode title, and this is probably the first episode once we are done with winter break, however long that happens to be. So this is actually sort of the second half of the season. So the first half of the season is 10 episodes, we said, right? Yes. Okay. I, For some reason in my head, I was thinking 11. 
Nope, it is 10. And this one is number 611, Tougher Than the Rest, written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. And they usually write the first and the last episode for each yes. segment. So. Now, there's been some, of course, debate over when the second half of the season will begin. Given that they wrote 10 and 11, I think there's actually going to be a three-month break. Okay. Because back, if you guys remember back to season one and two, we would take maybe three or four weeks off for a winter break. And when we came back, Adam and Ev- Eddie never actually wrote like episode 108 or 210, which would have been the first episodes back from winter break. They only started writing the first and the last when we went to split seasons. So I think this is split seasons and everything but storytelling. I think we're going to have a three month break. Okay. I mean, it does make sense because of all the things that happen on Sunday night. Yes. So it's always like, well, is it a new episode or is it not a new episode? Yeah. And I kind of think that when we come back, we're going to have 10 straight episodes in a row. And then we'll, well, we might take a week off for Easter. Who knows? And then we'll have a two hour finale like we have the past few years. That's my current prediction. Okay. So we got some filming shots. We did. Some of them are pretty normal. There are some shots of Hook and Emma in 610, which is what they're filming right now. And then we have some kind of weird photos. (laughs) So first off, Sean McGuire, who plays Robin Hood, is in fact back on set. So he will be in episode 610 for those of you who have been keeping an eye out for him. And then these very strange shots. Now, Normally around this time of the year, we have a lot of filming shots that make absolutely no sense. So this is just kind of following that pattern. The first day they filmed, we had Lana Perea filming as Regina. So she was dressed as Mayor Regina, not the evil queen. But she was filming with the dwarves who were dressed in their enchanted forest clothing plus stealthy. Yay, Stealthy's back. Which makes absolutely no sense. None whatsoever. <laughs> makes but, no sense. <laughs> but it's happening. It is. So it we is. just have to wait and see how this works. <laughs> and then the second set of photos and then some set reports we got, we had Lana, again, filming as Regina, not the evil queen, as Regina, with Sean McGuire as Robin Hood, and Rumple, who is dressed like the Enchanted Forest version of the Dark One. I wonder if she goes back like kind of like the Christmas Carol. You know how like in the Christmas Carol, yes. the ghosts of past, present, and future takes Scrooge? That's actually the theory that I've been hearing a lot of over at the forums. My co-mod, Matt, actually um, said the exact same thing, that he thinks they're doing something like a Christmas Carol slash It's a Wonderful Life, where Regina would have to look and see what her life would be like if she had made different choices. Okay. So, so I that mean, It could be a very interesting episode. Yeah. But I don't ever remember seeing... Oh, wait, no, she killed Stealthy, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm talking about when we saw that episode, Dreamy, the evil queen did, she killed Stealthy, right? Right. So Stealthy died when they were trying to break out of King George's castle um, when the dwarves went to free Snow White in that first season episode, 7.15 a.m. You did see him later when he was born in Dreamy, but he's been dead since long before the curse. And then, of course, we did see him in season 5B in the underworld. So they're giving Dreamy more work post-death. But I, you mean I stealthy. Have... Oh, for the love of everything. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking because that would make sense is why Regina is there with the dwarves. If she killed Stealthy, 
because then if it is the whole yeah but uh, yeah i mean they're not dead not all the dwarves are dead so i right i know but what happens if she didn't kill him that's my thing like right that could be like ghost of christmas past Right. I kind of think that's where they're going with this is this whole season has been about Regina versus the evil queen about I I think really her accepting the fact that the evil queen will always be part of her. And I think in the end, what she has to learn is that being the evil queen might not have she might not have made good choices, but it got her to a a place that she is now. You know, it's one of the things I hear so much is, well, if she hadn't actually become the evil queen, you know, she never would have gotten Henry. Right. Who ends up filling the hole in her heart. So I think that's kind of where this season finale is going. Mid-season finale. Excellent. So we shall have a quote-unquote Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I think. Because <laughs> that's the problem with this show. You can't have, like, the traditional, like, holiday episodes. Because mm-hmm. everything takes place in a matter of two weeks. <laughs> yeah. They're still stuck back in, like what 2014 at the moment (laughs) (laughs) with a very old henry (laughs) right (laughs) okay well everyone i think that's all we have for you this week i'm hunter you can follow me on twitter at traveling pixie and i'm jacqueline you can follow me on twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87 until next time onesers (laughs) 